A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our friends, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash graham hunter and that was last season 2019-20 sign up there and you'll get every interview we produce before it's released on the main feed plus the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly q and a you'll also get bonus content every month including the audio versions of my regular columns for espn and what's more you'll be supporting us you'll be keeping this independent podcast on the road thank you Charlie Adams stood out as somebody who, in my opinion, um, has always played the game in a way that is entertaining, is smart, but he's somebody who's got a, a regard for the ball, possession, what it's for. Now, beyond that, clearly, I wanted to find out if he was, uh, if he shared a sense of humour, if he could tell the anecdotes from his career well. And what we got back in London just a couple of days ago um, was something pretty extraordinary in that he excelled um, in talking about his skills, excelled in talking about his life and did it with um, a voraciousness, with a sense of fun that, and with a sense of detail, clinical forensic detail that was, it, it makes my job extremely easy. I, I was able to get out of the way and let Charlie speak. He's a Scotsman. So a Scotsman who scores at Wembley, albeit not in a, in a Scotland-England game. We talk and debate and he wins the argument about where his goal at Wembley for Blackpool against Cardiff ranks in the all-time list of Wembley goals. You'll enjoy that discussion. A little clue, he scored it from a different flipping postcode from Wembley. It was so far out. There's Charlie sitting smelly in a president's office. There's Charlie making tea in his manager's kitchen while his manager in pyjamas sits and watches the Masters. I think you'll be able to guess which chairman of the club I'm talking about. I think you'll be able to guess which manager of the biggest club he's played for I'm talking about. Charlie describes those with a self-deprecating wit. They're good stories. He tells them brilliantly. And like a, a chippy Celtic Scot, as I am, Charlie's life is dotted with the desire to prove people wrong, which perpetually he's done. This is a tremendous fun, in-depth big interview. I'm absolutely certain that whether you supported his clubs or not, whether you da- whether he damaged your club with his skills or not, you will enjoy Charlie Adam on the big interview. 
I want to ask you about something that <clears throat> you've given me the way to ask you, um, because we both know we've talked about living in Spain and, and what it's like and what I think of the players and why I'm there. And I admire them, and I, I was really lucky to be with them when they won the tournaments and reporting and learning. And, and so I come to Hamden when they're world champions in 2010. It's October 2010. I was a little bit befuddled that you were on the bench, but you were, you were on the bench. And all I remember is that half-time, Lee McCullough comes off, you come on, so and suddenly that. we're playing world champion football. Suddenly the tempo changes, we have the ball. Not... Einstein things but clever things have been done with the ball I'm like seems to me that when you came onto the pitch you knew exactly what you wanted to do but it's it's a rare occasion when you see a game fully pivot on the half time what were you watching in the first half what did you do when you came on because it went from 2-0 to 2-2 at that stage anyway I remember it well yeah I was on the bench and the Laurenti score didn't he well he got the win he, he got the winner he certainly got the winner off Joanne Catavilla yeah McManus um didn't mistake time is yeah mm. so yeah so I was coming at half time with 2-0 down putting his they, they were playing nicely bah incredible the, you know some of the players they had playing and um, I remember the first the first goal I think come from was it when I pinged it out to Hutton on the right hand side yeah so I just drilled a great pass from midfield straight out to Al and he I think he dribbles it and crosses it for the first goal and listen you got 45 minutes and I just felt that you know, go and give your all for 45 minutes. Um, and I always say, you know, when, when you're playing against the top players, they allow you time and space to play. But so, you were in a pot. That's what it looked like. There was a. It was like when you see NFL and the quarterbacks in the pocket. Yeah. And you, you were suddenly, we didn't look as if we didn't know what the ball was for or how to get it. There was mm-hmm. a pocket, and you, you had time and space. And it's just, I wanted to know how that happened because I admired it. And it changed the entire... Against the world champions, we looked, they're equal for 35 minutes. Just because... I, I always, Let's say, whether I'm starting a game or I come on a sub, I always say, make an impact. You've got to make an impact. If that's either a tackle or if it's a pass. I always say, be remembered for something in the game, even if you come on a sub. Be, like, somebody will always say something, like if it's a good pass or, you know, a tackle or you know, something positive to bring the team. But the first thing that I always think is... Be positive as pass it forward. You know what I mean. Everybody's talking about oh, let's play sideways, backwards. First thing I always think about is pass it forward, and that's what you say the Spanish. They, 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 for me, they're still as good as anybody in the world at keeping the ball. But they want to penetrate forward. They want to hurt you through the lines between you know playing against Peps or your Man Cities over the years, and even Pellegrini when he was you know manager. He's managing Spain a lot. They want to penetrate through the lines, and, and if you can penetrate through the lines, you're going to hurt teams so much, so bad. And and in that game, just come on at half time and just got a tempo to the game, passing it well, and you know all of a sudden we were two two, and I was thinking probably in the sense it's probably win the game, and then you know a mistake, we, we lose the game. Scotland and mistakes and glorious failure. Oh. Oh, this is out of the blue. From Bet365, we're grateful to being our sponsors and supporting the big interview. They've asked, what are your memories of the final day of the Premier League season with Blackpool at Old Trafford? Because, you know, Custer's last stand, it looked as if something extraordinary was going to happen for a while, but it ended up typical of your season. Yeah, it was, we should have been, we should never have been there at that point. We were 2-0 up at Bolton, 2-0 up at Blackburn. We were ahead in numerous of games. We just 
lost their way a little bit when we having to go to Old Trafford to get something to get a, to win was incredible and you know I, we were 2-1 up at one point but like you say the top teams they, they punish you for your mistakes we had a couple of mistakes in the game and you know we, we sadly got relegated but it was an incredible journey from from the start right till the end I remember we were 2-0 up at home against Man United as well and then he brought on Giggs and Hernandez at half time and the whole game changed we lost 3-2 but when you go to Old Trafford and you go 1-0 done and then you get a free kick on the edge of the box against one of the best goalkeepers in the world I'm thinking in front of the Stretford end I'm thinking yeah, well, what's going to happen so I'm lucky that when I hit a free kick I always pick I pick a victim as I call it in the wall I always think right I'm going to go I'm going to aim for him he's the no the weakest one because this will thingy if I aim for him he might move it the way or he might duck so funnily enough on the end of the wall is Paul Scholes so I'm thinking right if I whip this past Paul Scholes Van der Sar's, I've got half a chance and luckily I whipped it over the wall past Scholes comes off the inside of the post past Van der Sar it's 1-1 and I'm thinking wow it's Old Trafford you know family are in the stands the great escape is on you know and after that, you know, I think did we go two one up? You, you did. Taylor Fletcher, Taylor Fletcher, two, two one. Then we go two one up after just after half time. But the biggest thing for any club, like a smaller club going to a bigger ground, is do not lose a goal within two or three minutes after it. You know, Big Sam Allardyce says it all the time. You know, I don't. Under, he doesn't understand why teams they they score they they, they score a goal. And then they start putting it around the back and put pressure on the cells. Get it in this half, get it in the other half, squeeze the game, get let the game settle down a little bit and get playing again. But us, we were a bit confident in that and, and then we lose too many goals and then obviously somebody like Michael Owen comes off the bench. They bring Anderson off the bench, I think, who scored as well. And it was a tough afternoon. Um, but the whole process and the journey of Blackpool Football Club was just amazing and, you know the players and the staff and Ian Holloway was just was incredible having sort of pumped Nottingham Forest out of the playoffs to go up yeah. in your words having snuck in in the last day and not having really looked like promotion candidates Wembley Wembley man because that free kick Is it, has there ever been a better free kick in the history of the world no no chance in, in the world or ever. in Wembley ever Oh. Just get a free kick as there's ever been. Ah, uh, listen, there's been probably it, learned in Aberdeen. I'm be- listen, I'm just I'm speculating now, but out of the barracks. Oh, there's with been, that sea wind. There's been there's been some incredible free kicks over the years, but I think it's the best free kick ever to be in Obviously, it is. And going back to visualization again. Go on. The day before the game, for the whole build up of the game, we were worried about Peter Whittingham, um, left foot for Cardiff, was was on fire. It's going free kicks all season. And we were we were training the day before free kick, uh, the, the game, so we didn't set plays and blah blah. So we're we're worried about Peter Whittingham. So we're in the wall, people are hitting free kicks and that. As we're walking off, there was a, the sort of wall set up again, and I said to I said to Ollie at the time, I said, "Listen, you don't need to worry about Peter Whittingham. Big Charlie's here. <laughs> I, I swear you not. Identical position on the training ground." The wall, identical position, I've whipped one right in the stanchion, exactly the same free kick the day before. And I walk off and I say, listen, and I, and I was saying, big players turn up in the big moments, right? 
walks off straight on the bus never say anything the lads are talking about this free kick I've just scored the training before and it's just that day just happened and and for me that free kick was there because I had about 7 or 8 probably even more than 10 over the season and they were horrendous hitting the wall over the bar and just on that day at that moment I was focused my mind was there and I scored that goal and it changed, it changed my life it wasn't in the Wembley postcard no, it was so far it out. changed my life and people say do you when you when you have days like that you don't appreciate it as much as you should you know and the whole euphoria of it but you don't realise what, what's been achieved and it's not until now when you sit down and speaking obviously showing kids or whatever mm. then you realise what you've actually done and mm. it, was, it was incredible do you believe I mean on that day such a cocktail of things apart from you know your talent the determination the practice the day before but two things do you, is muscle memory part of it once you've done it once the next day muscle memory just your body knew how to do that again the next day do you believe in was fate involved was there some magic little kismet swirling around in the air that oh, day yeah I think it was I think it was fate you know I was fortunate enough it was to go on and, and have the career that I did the, the, the only really missing thing in my career was is, is medals you know I never really owned, I won the Carling Cup Never won a trophy at Rangers, which because I got two or three cup finals and got left out. So winning league, league with St Man and things like that. But you know, actually winning trophies and that—that's that's probably the only thing that that is missing because I played over two hundred games in the Premier League. You know, I took as a club we took one of the the smallest clubs you know in Blackpool from the Championship relegation to to the Premier League and the whole euphoria mm. of it. It was a, it was an amazing time. Tell me about Liverpool Again in a different way Because There's something odd between you and Liverpool I want to explain What I'm talking about if I can here You score against Liverpool and they sign you Probably they'd scouted you But it's the oldest thing in football He scored against us, he turned up, brilliant Sign him And then you're there for a season, we'll come back to that But like, you then proceed to play in 5-3 Liverpool at Stoke um, you beat them twice with Blackpool before you signed for them. Five three Liverpool at Stoke. Stoke. I'll just say this really slowly, people. Listen. Stoke six. Stoke six. Liverpool one. Check. One. Six five. You, you beat them in the semi final of the League Cup, but losing penalties. Six five. It's the oddest sequence of this. Something about you and Liverpool. Yeah. Going back to the whole how it happened was, I signed for Stoke in the July 11. No, no, pardon me. The, All right, so Stoke that, so in July I, I had a loan, a loan spell from December to the, the 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 Christmas to the end of the season, six months loan, stayed up. Then all they signed me for half a million pounds. So then I signed for that summer to the mm-hmm. for a year, for the the two years. So in the January of the championship season, Middlesbrough offered two million pounds for me. Gordon Strachan and I thought I'm going to go there I wanted to go there Blackpool was like never happened deal gone off so nothing happened no no bids in the summer nothing like that we had no bids in the summer so then I started the Premier League with Blackpool and I scored a few goals in the summer and they come to January I knew about November, December Liverpool had been contacting my agent saying listen we want to buy Charlie I thought wow Says Liverpool. Mm. And funnily enough, Liverpool were the only club that come for me. 
Nobody else. So there was other clubs that managers thought not for us, probably not good enough for us. Kenny knew. Kenny knew. Kenny knew class. Yeah, it, it was class str- knows class. It was strange because certain managers in that time in the, when we were in the Premier League, not sure he's good enough to to play in our team and he's not for us and blah blah. And all of a sudden this phone call comes. Damien Camoli, Liverpool want you. No, no chance. <laughs> I remember it clear. Liverpool. So I goes and I meet Kenny. Let's meet him at his house. And I go and I speak to him and uh, try to get a deal done. But funnily enough, we go there and... So I knock, knocks on his door and I get to there and my agent speaks to him. And he says, right, we want to keep... We want to get you in, blah, in the window. How much are you going to be? We say, we don't know. It could be anything, blah. So he says, do you want a coffee, a cup of tea, coffee? Says, yeah, yeah, you make the tea. He says, oh, no, no. So he sat on his couch, like, kitchen's through there, you go make the tea. So I was making the tea for him and my agent in his house while he was sat in his pyjamas watching the Masters. So if anybody knows Kenny Dalglish, he loves his golf. Maybe and, even more than football. And, and he, he, he was just an amazing guy. Just It was, for me, it was a dream because I knew when I told my dad that I was going to go to Liverpool, he burst out crying because Kenny was his hero. Further on, when he actually got to meet Kenny. So, wonderful. When we got the, the, we got to the, then we got to the January, Liverpool wanted me to go there. So I went in to the club and obviously at the time Blackpool didn't want to spend sell me and I was like but why and obviously in, in hindsight now it was it was it was realistic that you know for the money that Liverpool were going to pay and if Blackpool got relegated it was never going to add up so they wanted to keep the best players try and stay in the Premier League for one more season I understood that but at the time when Liverpool come calling you're thinking you need to do everything you did so I tried, trained on the last day of the window and I called my agent and said listen I'm going in his office and I told the manager I walked off the training pitch said to the manager I'm going to see the chairman and he went yeah no problem <laughs> Ollie was brand new he was like the chat with Ollie was that you know if you come and sign for me I'll make you the best player that you've been and I'll get you to the Premier League and he's true to his word you know so I said to him after about 20 minutes training it was playing on my mind yeah and I yeah, said yeah, to him, yeah. by the way I'm going to Liverpool here the lads well, that to me, kind of like the lads were all for it, and I was speaking to a couple of lads. And said, "Listen, I was, if I was you, I'd go and just get in his office." Twenty minutes gone training, and I'm not trying to tell any young lad to do this, but I got in my wife's car now, who was like obviously I was engaged to it, and um, I said to pick me up. Twenty minutes, she picked me up, picked me up. She dropped me off at the stadium. I'm in my training and sweating, stinking. I barged in his office and I said, "Listen, I ain't moving at this football club till you sell me to Liverpool." He went, "You're going nowhere." So the whole day I sat upstairs and my agent was getting calls from, you know, everybody. This is Oyston, is it? Yeah, so Oyston was the, the chairman at the time. So my, Kenny, Kenny Moyes, my agent at the time, he was getting calls. I don't know if it was a blag or, you know, there was talk, uh, you know, teams from Italy, AC Milan and all that. And I was thinking, this guy's at a wind-up, people are at a wind-up. So I don't know who it was, but I knew I wanted to go to Liverpool. So I sat there all day, this is it. Nine o'clock at night, I goes home and I'm um, sat on my couch, absolutely devastated, still in my training gear. So I get on the couch, watching the tell my missus, she could see it in me. I get a call from, from Jamie Redknapp saying, listen, um, my dad wants to talk to you. I said, why? He said, he wants to take you to Tottenham. So I was like, I'm going. I just said to my missus, listen, I'm going, I don't want to go to Tottenham. She says, get yourself to the stadium. So Harry calls me. So I get to, to the stadium at Blackpool. Harry calls me and said, yeah, we want to take you, blah, blah, we're going to try and do a deal and 
whatever goes along with it. And get into the stadium and go to the chairman and say, listen, Tottenham been on, blah, blah, whatever. He says, listen, you ain't going anywhere. He says, there's no way this is going to happen. He says, it's going to be worth too much money to the club, blah, blah. So I was devastated. Like, obviously I'd had the transfer request in, so mm. the players were like... The players were all for me, do you know what I mean? It wasn't as if they knew, thinking I was just kicking up a fuss or that. Listen, it was Liverpool. Big chance comes Big along. chance. They were like... They think, that could be me. On you go, you, you, got, on to, you, go. you got to go. There was no animosity with the lads and that. So I basically, the next day I had to come in with tail between my legs and, and say to the lads listen I'm here to fight I'm ready to go and then uh, listen I was gutted I was devastated I think two days later we played a game and I scored and uh, I was nearly in tears when I scored a penalty but the old emotion got to me but that, that that's what happens to you in football you know mm. the setbacks that you, you, you get and how you react to it I could have easily have just like you could have signed in for a couple of weeks, no problem yeah, at all. But I thought, do you know what? That's not how it is. I owe the lads <coughs> have helped me over the last yeah. two or three months after this move. For so I need to owe them one. So I got my head done for the whole thing, and it was about two or three weeks before the end of the season. Liverpool will come back on and say, "Listen, don't worry about what happens. We still want to take you. Really? You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get something sorted." It goes, and summer comes around, and then. It was a long summer, I'll tell you that. And I was on a holiday and then... Nervous one. Oh. Mm-hmm. There was still n- nobody else, only Liverpool, mm-hmm. that wanted me. And I was thinking, this is strange. Like, mm-hmm. no disrespect, but I'm thinking, Liverpool, if Liverpool want me, surely everybody else wants me. Do you know what I mean? You're a bit naive a little bit and you think some maybe other clubs will want you as well. Now, nah, not, not for us, not for us. And for Liverpool it was. And I remember it sat at home. And there was a, there was two or three meetings, and then there was a crunch meeting. I remember it well. I'll tell you, a guy who was chief executive at the time, Matt, Matt Williams, at Blackpool, and Carol Oyster went to the Preston Marriott with Damien Kamali and somebody else from Liverpool. And this was a crunch meeting. Said like, if this deal, if the deal gets, doesn't get done tonight, it's not going to happen. And I remember getting a phone call at nine o'clock at night from Matt Williams. Text me with thumbs up saying, all all agreed, and I was buzzed. Yeah. So then, obviously, I'd done the medical at Liverpool, and and then, you know, I was a Liverpool player, and I remember going to do the medical. I, I wasn't driving at the time, and my wife now, but girlfriend at the time, she was working nail salon, and um, <laughs> it's, it's so funny that so I phones one of my mates, and I says, "Listen, by the way, I'm not driving. Can you drive me?" He said, "Listen, mate, I'm in my work van." I says, "What?" He says, "Listen, what? He's a he's a brickie." He said, I've only got my work van with me. I said, mate, come with me. I don't care. So yeah, I've, got, I've got my suit on, sat in the front of this work van. He's got his shorts on with his boots on. We've got to go and meet Kenny Dalglish at the academy, the training ground, at Liverpool's training ground. So we tip up in the van, and here he is, drops me off in it. I get in Kenny's car, and we go and, and, and do the medical. And like I say, it was just, the whole thing changed. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know you're a Liverpool player, and... From then on, it was just, it was incredible. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was meant to be in... Okay, Damien Kamala is the guy who's, who's making the phone calls, but... Literally, King Kenny knows class, and and it doesn't surprise me because we both know that football is is not as intelligent as it should be. There's a lot of sheep in football, and that Liverpool could see it, but others couldn't. Th- that so many others couldn't is a surprise. But generally, just because one person, one club sees it, it doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of timidity. A lot of people risk averse mm-hmm. in 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 football buying decisions. Also, a lot of people just do stupid things out of habit. I think in football, but it worked for you because uh, one major final, um, the Chelsea game. I don't think you're fit for. No, knee injury. Yeah. The League Cup final is is a, is a medal. Yeah. T- t- tell me if you don't mind about two things, and this is the stage at every interview where I say, "Listen, reach across the table and punch me," or tell me, or walk out like you did off the training ground when enough's enough. But Luis Suarez oh, should have been, should be wow. the perfect movement for you, the perfect. Because I had to be re-educated, Charlie, I had to be re-educated because I knew he was a scorer when he was international class. Yeah. I knew he was ferocious. But until he came to Barcelona, because obviously you learn by watching, I didn't realise how intelligent he is as a footballer. What a flipping brain oh, is in there. Incredible. So for you, daily, not just matches, Luis Suarez, the footballer, t- 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 tell us a little bit about him. Well, just going back to Liverpool, I was, when, you, when you walk into the dressing room, I remember, like for me, Steven Gerrard is the is the the icon of Liverpool Football Club. You know, Carras was an incredible, player, but Stevie Stevie won games on his own, won tournaments on his own. Won, Let's face it, Carras been on this. He was Everton in the beginning. Yeah, Jamie, sorry, mate, but, but you were. But he, they, they, they bled Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, they, yeah, and yeah. they understand that. And but Stevie, for me, playing against him was this icon, like. I was in, I was in awe of him, and I'm no shame to it now. Still, am a little bit that you know I look up to him. I have respect him as a career, as a manager now, as a, and as a player. For me, I think because I've been close to him as in, in a dressing room, you know, I look up to him, and I think he, for me, is the 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 all round midfield player in British football, and how to 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 tackle, to to pass it, to to score goals. He's got everything. You know, and I don't want to be soppy, but there's also there genuinely is not everybody's got this. There's an aura. Oh, there's there's there's, there's, a, there's a an aura that that me on the outside for one season, but even now, still look at him and get a little bit nervous when I actually around them. 
you know even even now even last week when I was playing the in the legends game you get you get an excitement to being around these type of people and and I cannot speak highly enough of him as a player and as a you know as a as, and as a person because he's the one that you know in the Premier League growing up looking at was was incredible and to be able to share a dressing room mum and, and you don't realize how much scrutiny these lads go under um, but it was it was a, it was an incredible uh, incredible time you'd, you'd played against Stephen yeah yeah so I played against Stephen at Anfield and we beat them 2-1 yeah. and I think he was he never played the second game which was Torres's last game yeah. before he went to Chelsea for 50 mean, million that's right um, beat them 2-1 as well yeah. and I'm lucky that I've got his shirt from that night so I used like when I was when I played top bloke you're a really nice man I used to collect shirts so I still collect the shirts now and I've got Torres' last shirt at Liverpool because his last game was against Blackpool good one to have after you picked well Mm -hmm. I'm guessing he probably picked you out (laughs) probably in his mansion somewhere in the the basement but to Suarez talk to Suarez Suarez. I mean it because and tell me if I'm talking rubbish please please do but like I look at his intelligence and his movement and how he shows what he wants. But what he does with, let's say you didn't give him a bad ball, but it's not just you and him. When he when he gets given rubbish, his brain is quick about how to turn it into something important. He's a real thinking forward. But that was that was the thing about Louis was that he can turn a bad pass into an unbelievable pass because he he had the desire and the hunger. I had seen him and Carragher booting lumps at each other <laughs> every day in a friendly way but in a way that they wanted to win. Mm. And when I first went into the dressing room, I, listen, I was a bit, I was nervous going in there. And like, you're thinking, right, every pass that you make, yeah. you're thinking, you know, when you, when you go in, it's, you know, you're thinking, right, Cara, they're thinking, or Steve, you're thinking, is he good enough for Liverpool? Or, you know, you know, if I made the right pass? And you, so you sort of go in there a little bit tentative. And I think Jordan was the same. Maybe went in too safe. Listen, he's grown into. He's changed. He's he's grown into be a proper leader in the top. Last two player. seasons, the, the, my jaw's dropped. And he's I've changed out of all recognition. Uh-huh. And and I think and, and we signed it similar time. Same day, yeah. Same day. And I could see it, and he was like, he was, he was a couple few years younger than me, so we were probably going in the same way, going in playing safe. Mm. No, probably not then what we. We what what we got brought you there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I you, then you start to open up and you try and play that pass or you do that. But I set up Louis' first goal. We played Sunderland at home and our league form was was no great. We finished eighth and I set up Louis' first goal at home against Sunderland and it was you know I thought I was a proper player. I was Liverpool, you know. And then he was just amazing to play with. You know, like you said, he turned. You know, you think bad passes into good pass just because his desire and his hunger to go and win, to win was was incredible. He's extraordinary. You use a phrase. You've often used a phrase, Sam Allardyce, Saint Kenny. I think um, Charlie runs games. We have to man mark him. You talk about Phil Jones. I've never asked a player. Sorry, go on. Yeah. So I've, I've never asked a player about being man marked, mm. and Phil Jones gets a it's a terrible press. But you know, I've interviewed him, so I've been up close with him. He's a specimen. He's an athlete. Mm-hmm. He's committed to winning. He may have, he may be prone to gaffes or whatever. But I'd imagine that being man-marked by him, or just being man-marked, is something that will get that Charlie Adam brain going about, OK, how do I get out of jail? Where do I show him? Where do I take him? What, you know, that, that's a dilemma to me. It's yeah. an interesting so, dilemma. So we played Blackpool. Played Blackpool, played Blackburn, and we, I uh, come back from Spence and scored two goals at Ewood Park, and he man-marked me to 
played two games at Blackburn. We played Blackburn, and he man marked me two games, Phil Jones. And it wasn't who told me. I think it was, was it Sam or somebody had said that he specifically man marked me in that in that game. And it's listen, it's the first time I've actually been man marked in my whole career. But like you say, how, how quickly did you notice? Ah, oh, straight away. I knew straight away. Phil Jones played central midfield. So, so, you, so your brain's going. He's out of position. What? Oh, it's right. It's me and him. No, no, because I thought it was me. It wasn't until I was started getting on the ball and he was after me a lot and he was, you know, he was coming with me. So then you sort of have to, when you get my mark, you have to sort of sacrifice yourself a little bit for the team. So like I was running away, not even interested in the game, but I was allowing everybody else to get on the ball. The two games played against Blackburn, I wasn't great. I scored the free kick and scored a penalty. At Ewood, and we, we drew two each. But the home game, I, I was it wasn't great. We lost. I think we lost one nil. Did we lose one nil, or it was nil nil? And um, yeah, he man marked me two games. And but I th- I felt the way I seen it was a compliment. That mm. do you know what? I'm a good player. Somebody wants to try and man mark me. If I, if they what they thought was if they stop me, the team won't play well. And it's a respectable it, it, tactic. Yeah. If you if, if you're the manager is like no all I want is a result out of this I don't really care about the style of the game and if if I had a lesser team I'm not talking about Allardyce and Blackman but if I had a lesser team and as a playmaker or a gifted one I think if, particularly if I've got an athlete because the best man marking I've ever seen is somebody who's just remorseless you, you don't need to be necessarily particularly clever in man marking if you do it's an additional you need to be relentless you never need to drop your concentration not for yeah. 30 seconds 10 seconds yeah. you need literally this jokes about going to the toilet with them that's true you need to yeah. be in the back pocket all the time it doesn't have to be fouls but you know if you want to leave a couple on maybe it helps it's a tactic but for us the spectators when you see it particularly if you get somebody who's got who's a bit gallus yeah the me and you thing can be brilliant fun to watch. Yeah. Because it's a battle of wits as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's also about... Going back to where we started the thing, he's going to try and dominate me. But like you said, if I dominate him by being aggressive and I can try and outrun him, I know my talent on the ball will outplay Phil Jones. And that's no big... Listen, Phil Jones had a great career. He's a very good defender. I, I said, if you play in central midfield, which is not his natural no. position, I know the game better in central midfield than, than what he will. So I'm thinking, if I get it right, you know, I'll be able to still control the game, even though I'm getting my mat. But it was, um, no, it was a different experience. And, and listen, I've never heard anybody trying to my mark me until when I went into Blackburn in the summer just to get fit for the pre season. Um, I went in there and I'd done really well. and you know, speaking to Tony Mowbray, he said, you know what, if we play against you, wherever you go in the Championship, they've got a young lad called Lewis Travis who's dynamic, he's good, a good player. And he said, you know what, it's the first thing, he says, I'm going to get him to my mark you when we play you. And it's the first thing I've heard that in 10 years. What happened? I never played, but the boy Lewis Travis hadn't played for two weeks. We played him at home not so long ago, he's playing. Mm-hmm. So Morgan's obviously thought, do you know what, he might play I'm going to try and mark him they need to get around him and could, like you say if you allow good players time and space it doesn't matter if they you know if they're not as fast as they used to be or how quick if you can if you allow them time and space to hit a pass it can kill you so he played and, and that's you know obviously for Hull Jones to, to that it's, it's still you know it's good but it's a compliment it is a compliment I'll give you that I, we'd all love to see the ball player rather than man marker but <laughs> we'll wind Towards the end, with 
365 again, but 365, um, our sponsors are asking. I'm going to have to bend this question a little bit because, no, I'm going to ask one, another one too. Compare, this is at which atmosphere was better, the old firm or Liverpool Manchester United? And how do they differ? The old firm is incredible. The old firm is just, this, the atmosphere is, at Anfield is, is incredible, um, tight ground and, but the old firm, you can't you you can't hear yourself think, you know. Even if I'm talking to you ten yards away, it's literally it's, he's it's, not getting across. No, no, and you just you know have to take a break in the game and speak to each other. It's so intense. The atmosphere is incredible. You know, when Celtic had the hole behind the goal, which at the moment they're only getting eight hundred tickets, was it's a waste of time. Yeah, it's not right. But the whole atmosphere at the old firm was oh, it was it was amazing. What did what did it do to you? Say the build up. The people in the dressing room. Who, I, I, I was okay because I was never brought up as a radio no, supporter. No, no. So yeah, I got nervous and I understood because I'd played so many young old firms in the youth teams and things like that. I knew what it meant to win. But the lads that supported Rangers, you could see them getting a little bit more nervous because it meant a lot to them. Listen, it meant a lot to me to, to beat Celtic because I got on to the level of like you know your local rivals. You want to you want to win, and no, it was. Um, there was no, there is no better feeling than when you beat your local rivals, you know, home or away. It's it's an incredible feeling. And then the last one is also from our sponsors, and this is one I want to have to cheat on too because you're almost not allowed to say Wembley now after we've talked about it such length. But they said you scored from at least forty yards from Rangers. Yeah. You scored from your own half um, for Stoke at um, Stamford Bridge, where I was last night. But and it doesn't say this apart from Wembley. What's your favourite goal? What's what's the goal that maybe still leaves it? If you, if you're back visualising instead of forward visualising, the one that goes, yeah, I nailed that one, or I enjoyed that one, or that brought me three points, or that was a goal they said I couldn't score. What's the one that gives you Beat, your only quiet favourite? Little black sheep goal. Beating David de Gea. There was one we beat Man United two one at Stoke. We beat them, and um, I scored two that day. Free kick deflection against Carrick. David Moyes was manager and um, the second one was a long ball up Crouchy knocks it down Arnautovic misses it but he said it was he, he meant it but he never <laughs> um, and I've come on to this thing and drilled it right in the top corner across the hair yeah it was amazing because listen he was he is still one of the best goalkeepers in the world and to beat somebody like that with that and we won the game, and obviously it was a, that was probably my, my favourite goal. It's all down to the part and your dad and the the discipline and the training yeah. and the work and the attitude and the build up and the and over the it. years and the it doesn't come easy, but it's the, worth sa- it. And the sacrifices in life that you make, you know, mm. when you when you have small things, people go there and do this and that, and you sat at home. It's it's all for one thing, and it's a Saturday. Do you feel I'm going to close with this? Do you feel it's a a waste that with all these glorious goals you didn't do the robot after every goal because ah. it would, it, you, you, could have, you could have honed it down in the end you nah, know it just brought that, that mentality yeah, that robot, to the celebration that was horrendous I don't even know why I'd done it I just the spur of the moment Crouchy was on the bench did he, did he appreciate it? Yeah, he appreciated it a little bit but he was embarrassed I think that I even tried to take it off him you know what I mean but <laughs> celebrations have never been my thing but scoring goals is hopefully Hopefully more to come and that's that's where to go. This is a horrendous link out of the interview, but um, this, Charlie Adam, has been a celebration of how football should be played. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. 
I do hope you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios, our members who support us. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day they're available, it's time for you to join us. To become a socio, and for only £2.99 per month, you'll get all our content entirely ad-free and ahead of its release on the main feed. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast and we'll blow virtual kisses towards you. Thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.